Accessing library computer data. Level 9 authorization required. Command codes verified. Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who also happen to have children on the autism spectrum. We talk about the new Star Trek Discovery TV series, as well as any autism issues we see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth, and with me is my co-host, Vicki. Hi, this is Vicki. We are Moms Going Boldly. Welcome back to Moms Going Boldly. Today we are talking about the Star Trek Discovery episode, Perpetual Infinity. So, Vicki, what did you think of this episode? I loved this episode. I loved I really this did. episode. I did too. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Tell me what you loved about it. Well, Pat, everyone, Section 31 and Discovery, everybody was involved, except Admiral Cornwall wasn't there. But other than that, they had the whole cast there. Yes. So I like that. I did too. And I liked how it really moved. And there was so much information in every scene. It kept me on the edge of my seat. There were no lulls in the action at all. Yeah. And it's important to recognize if ever someday, which of course is a pipe dream, but if ever someday the writers were to ever listen to this podcast, I would say to them, action doesn't have to be things blowing up. Action is moving the story forward in a dynamic way. It can be a conversation across a table in a very intimate environment, but it's still action because it's keeping us engaged. And this episode had that all the way. Yeah. So this episode starts off with a flashback. We get to see young Michael with her parents on a planet I think was called Doctari Alpha working on the Daedalus project and she's talking about that supernova that she always blamed herself for wanting to see that caused her parents' death. And then we see the actual moment of the Klingon ship landing and beginning their attack to retrieve their time travel technology. Then we see the dad take up a position at the door with a phaser and we see mom putting Michael in in a closet, essentially, telling her to be quiet and keep her safe. And she's going to put on the Red Angel suit. We see her yelling that she's going to fix this. She's going to go back in time and give them advance warning so they can save themselves. And then Michael Burnham wakes up. Right. And I'm a little confused about that. I thought she saw her parents die. I thought so, too, because she said she saw her dad's body. I remember she said that. And so I did give that some thought. And keeping in mind that this is a time travel story, which means that they could very well, at the end of the season here, in order to resolve this story and resolve the conflict with the AI that's called Control, they actually have to go back to the planet, Doctori Alpha, and complete that reality, and that her parents will actually die there. I mean, that could happen in a time travel story, so it could be true. Or... The writers could have forgotten that. (laughs) It it could be, yeah. So Michael Burnham wakes up. We've got Dr. Culber. We've got Captain Pike. We've got Agent Giorgio. We've got Dr. Culber back in his capacity as a doctor. I mean, he's in full doctor mode again. And he seems like he's perfectly back to normal. They confirm that Burnham had been dead and that she also had seen her mom. And she's, you know, like, what is this all about? And she starts to get really hysterical. And Spock comes in saying that she woke up sooner than they expected. And she was clearly back to her old self, which was, I thought, the perfect way to kind of nip her hysteria in the butt. But I just love the Captain Pike smirk. (laughs) 
quirky heads every time they have one of those little interactions. Yeah. He's enjoying it as much as we are. No matter what's going on, no matter how serious, he gets such a kick out of their sibling interaction. Exactly. And I have to say, once again, I love Captain Pike. You know, we hardly hear from him at all in these last episodes. The episodes are focused on other characters, other crew. But he's always there, and he's always a presence, just like you pointed out right there. The smirk. He doesn't say a word, but he's a presence there. It's just really enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. So Spock brings Burnham all this data that he's downloaded from the Red Angel's suit. They want her to review this data, which I thought was brilliant because... Right, they needed to keep her busy. They needed to keep her busy. They needed her scientific expertise, and this was also a form of therapy for her to deal with the fact that her mom was no longer dead, as she'd always assumed. I, I thought it was just brilliant in so many ways. Even without a therapist on board. <laughs> without an actual therapist on board, someone was thinking. So then we go to Leland, and Leland apparently survived the eye spike he experienced, and now he's captive to the AI called Control. Control admits that, you know, it has problems with its whole holographic personas thing because they knew that Admiral Patar wasn't real. And it becomes Saru. And uh, did it become Arium too? Hey. Yeah, so it's taking... Michael. It's changing forms. But it's saying this is not satisfactory because it can be easily spotted. And what I really need is to become human. <laughs> and I'm choosing you because you have flexible morals. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Right, nobody's going to suspect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was pretty funny. And then the AI takes over his body with what looks like nanotechnology. Now, what did you think when you saw that? I don't know. It was pretty cool, but... Well, my son sitting next to us said, Borg. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, that was the first thing out out of his mouth was Borg. And I was like, really? And he's not the only one. Because since this episode has aired, and once again, I try not to read anything while we're watching the series because I want to be surprised when I watch the episodes. But stuff does hit my newsfeed. And I see the headlines before I make it go away. There are other people who have used the words Borg with relation to this episode. Uh, Yeah. That didn't even occur to me. I mean, I know it reminded me of something. You know, I thought it was all in my head. Yeah. So I didn't investigate further. I yeah. didn't even think of that. Like I said, my kid picked it up right away, which I was like, okay, yes. <laughs> <You know, laughs> that's pretty valid. So let me go back to Burnham, and she's reviewing these mission logs. And the other thing that I think is brilliant about these mission logs is it provides us, the viewers, with the backstory without having a lot of blah, blah, blah talking. That was really great, too. So we got to see that she's trying to get back to an hour before the Klingons arrive, but then she somehow goes forward 950 years in the future, and she kind of gets stuck there, as I understand it. And she sees that all sentient life in the galaxy is completely wiped out in the future. She makes these time travel jumps in her suit, but she's always pulled back to this time frame 950 years in the future. There's so, so something that anchors her there. They're starting to realize on the discovery that this anchoring that pulls her back to 950 years in the future is something to do with, how do they put it, playing tug-of-war with the universe. She's tethered to yes. that point. They've got her in a containment field to stop her from bouncing back. 
but somehow that tethering is pulling her back and eventually they're going to lose. Right. Which I think adds this wonderful layer of tension to the story. They only have a limited amount of time with her because they're not going to be able to hold her for long. So I really enjoyed that too. We go back to Leland. He's now completely under the control of control. And he wants to get a hold of this data from the sphere that's in the databanks of Discovery. He's ordering Giorgio and Tyler to steal the data. This is the moment when I became the biggest Giorgio fan ever, right? I already liked her. She's wonderfully complex. She's layered. She's, you never know where she's coming from. But this time I'm like fully rooting for her. <laughs> Is that when she catches the phrase? Yes. Yeah. Well, and she's just looking at him like, there's something weird with you, weirder than normal. And I'm like, you can figure it out. Go. <laughs> See, the thing about that is it's like she knows, but still she put that button there, even though she thought something was wrong. Well, because she needs to make it work to her advantage. There's no ethics involved here. <laughs> there's no morals. There's just what's good for her. I guess and maybe I'm being a little bit over optimistic about Giorgio's change now that she's in our universe. I don't know. Well, yeah, but I knew she'd figure it out eventually and then she would do something because it is not in her best interest for control to eliminate all sentient life in the universe. And we also see Tyler showing his own version of resistance to this order from Leland. So he's got these two people who are working against or Control's got these two people working against him, but for different reasons. I don't know, I really kind of enjoy that. We've got Giorgio, who's always looking out for number one and how she can take advantage of situations. And then we've got Tyler, who, but for the presence of Vok within him, was a loyal Starfleet officer. Right. That's his default mode as a rule. Right. Finally, the mom wakes up and she insists on talking to Captain Pike and only Captain Pike. And Burnham's furious about this. Burnham wants to talk to her. Burnham wants to go down and see her. You know, Burnham's trying to give all these uh, logical reasons for going down, but I was not buying any of it. (laughs) And neither did Captain Pike. No, but you can hardly blame her. You can't. You cannot blame her. But at this point where things are so dicey, you don't even know how long has this woman been out of Burnham's life? Burnham was, what, 10 when she died? I think they said 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. So, so much has changed in 20 years that, yeah, even though it's her mom and she really wants to see her logically, and Burnham was raised on Vulcan, so she should be able to apply her logic here. Logically, if the woman says she wants to talk to Captain Pike first, you kind of have to go with it. There are bigger issues here than that relationship. However, you're exactly right. You can totally understand the pull. Absolutely. So, Pike goes down to talk to her. Her name is Gabrielle. And she knows who he is. She has this wonderful line. I could say more about your future, but you wouldn't like it. You know, what was the point of that? (laughs) (laughs) I think the point of it was to show that she was the equivalent in experience, rank, whatever, as Pike. She was no longer just the scientist. She was something bigger than all that. And she needed to earn his respect and get his attention fast. Okay. I don't know. That's kind of what I thought. What did you think? I just had no idea why she would say that. I was not happy with that. And I also think it shows how she's become kind of rough by her years of flinging herself through time. You know, it's roughed her up. Yeah. She explains to him that he has to get rid of the Sphere Archive. If they don't, then Control is going to use it and eliminate all sentient life. There's this big conversation about deleting the archive. Saru's just beside himself, which I'm with him, but Burnham agrees with her mom. Tyler's there, and he's going to try to take the archive with some kind of device. 
But the archive protects itself. It encrypts itself in another language. Now they're not sure what they're going to do in order to delete them, and they have to find a way. Spock gets to see one of the mission logs, and I can't remember. I guess Michael showed him the log. I'm not sure. I have to imagine, unless he saw it before he gave her Or they were both reviewing it, which would make sense. Yeah. He hears Gabrielle explain that it's essentially this dyslexia he has that made him the only person who could understand her message. I thought that was really cool. It was essentially saying that your neurodifference was a benefit rather than a deficit. And that's what Michael says. And that's what Michael says too. And that's just not a message that you hear frequently when you're talking about neurological differences. So I really enjoyed that from the standpoint of a parent with a child with a neurological difference. Tyler tries to explain to Leland that the information deleted itself. And so Leland gives the assignment to take the data to Giorgio. And there is a scene between Michael and her mother. Which finally happens, and it's good. I'm glad we get that connection that we're hoping for. But Michael has to tell her mother that they're not able to delete the data. And it's frustrating. There's this really interesting conversation between Gabrielle and Michael about what time is and just what's going on. And Gabrielle actually is quite cold to her daughter, saying she'd seen her die a hundred times and she'd see her dying a hundred more and the suit was her prison. And she says there's only the big picture now. And so that's another sign of that sort of roughness that she's developed. What did you think of that scene? Yeah, at the beginning, I thought she was being cold. But then when she went into the, I saw you die a hundred times, it seemed to explain why she was so cold. She didn't want to get close to her. She thought she was going to go back on her mission. So she didn't want to get close to her. And I kind of get that. Yeah. So she softened up more towards the end. She totally did. The conversation. She totally did. And and it was good. We needed that connection and we needed to make sure that happened. So they come up with this plan to somehow download the data from the sphere into Gabrielle's suit and then send her and the suit into the future forever. Isn't well, that... I thought they were going to send the suit Oh, was into it just the, the suit? Oh, that's right. And they were going to keep her. her. That's right. They were going to keep her and beam her into their space time yeah. permanently and send the suit into the future forever. And that's where we get the title of the episode, Perpetual Infinity, because the suit would constantly be going forward in time and the data in the suit wouldn't be available to control anymore. Leland, of course, hears about this and he's really stressed about this because he's controlled. He wants this data. And so this is when he sends Giorgio to go out and take care of things. He gives her the device to steal the data transfer. And then he says he wants her to kill Gabriel and destroy the suit because he doesn't trust her. He's trying to convince Giorgio that Gabrielle is under the control of control or whatever. And Giorgio doesn't believe him, but she's like, okay, no worries, I'll take care of this. Then Giorgio comes, she disables the security feed, activates the device that will take the upload, and then there's this really cool interaction between essentially Michael's two moms. (laughs) Wonderful. What did you think of that scene? I love that scene. I I love that. It was so fantastic. Yeah. You know, Gabrielle tells Giorgio that she's seen her sacrifice herself to save Michael's life and thanks her for it. And Giorgio's like, you know, that wasn't me. That was someone else. And Gabrielle's like, no, I know who you are. <laughs> it was really great. But Giorgio's doing what Leland asked. Giorgio starts downloading the data. It's going really slowly because it's downloading from Discovery into the suit. And then Giorgio's picking it up with the device. And so it's going really slowly. And then there's this phrase that you pointed out earlier that Leland says, 
that Gabrielle reiterates. And she says, as long as the AI existed, it considered her an unacceptable risk to the larger mission, which is exactly what Leland said to Giorgio. And then Giorgio figures out that Leland is actually under the control of control. It looks for a moment like everything's going to come together and they're going to be able to send the data to the suit and keep mom in this time frame. But mama doesn't like this because she says if control wins, she won't be able to stop it. She won't be able to get back to the future to stop it. Giorgio, based on her suspicions, contacts Tyler. And there's another great scene between them. She confesses to Tyler. She confides in him that she's really worried about Leland. This is what she calls a test of their relationship. And she tells him she'll hunt him down and kill him slowly if he betrays her. And he says he's been killed before. So she was just telling him he'd have time to enjoy the scenery. (laughs) This is just another, it's a small scene, but it's so dynamic between these two characters. This is a great example of what kept this episode moving. And when she calls him, I don't even think they actually discuss that they think something's wrong. One of them just has to say Leland, and they know what they're talking about. Yeah. We have Tyler, who suspects Leland. We've got Giorgio, who suspects Leland. And then we've got Discovery, who discovers the download that is being tapped into by the Section 31 ship. Things all just start happening really fast. Leland comes down to the surface because he's going to make sure that this goes forward. There's this big fight with Giorgio. Michael is there trying to connect with her mom. They're trying to stop the universe from pulling Gabrielle back to 950 years in the future. And it's a mixed blessing victory. They stop Leland. They stop the download. But Gabrielle's lost. She and the suit vanish into the future again. And as I understood it, there was no way that she was going to be able to come back again. Somehow her ability to reappear had been destroyed. Did you get that sense too? Yeah, Sam had said to Burnham, at least she'll have a chance. I got the impression that she couldn't come back, but of course Burnham thinks she's going to find her. She may very well, because I was thinking about this, this, the whole point that you made about didn't she see her parents' debt? Then I thought it may be that we have another one of these sort of bittersweet moments where Gabrielle is rescued from her exile in the future only to die as she had originally died 20 years before. After the loss of her mother, the landing party beams up, and in Burnham's word, they blow the place to hell. The crew detects a transporter signal from the surface to the Section 31 ship. Leland may have escaped the destruction on the surface. The warp signature is masked, making it impossible for them to pursue. Also detected is a distress beacon from an escape pod. They detect a life sign, and it's Ash Tyler. Spock visits to report to a distressed Burnham that Leland was able to transfer more than half of the data. He tries to console her by telling her they'll continue the fight. Burnham feels defeated. Spock sets up the chessboard as he explains that what has happened before no longer exists and what they have is now. Now does matter. What they do now is all that matters. We end the episode with him saying, the board is yours, Michael. And that's it. We'll be back soon with episode 12, Through the Valley of Shadows. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter at Ross Bugden, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org.
Transfer complete.